0: Hey there, folks. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has withdrawn from the U.S. presidential race. How will this impact Donald Trump's position in the polls? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Great to be with you wherever you are joining us from. Also on Ticker Today, Houthi rebels have continued to attack commercial shipping vessels in the Red Sea. We'll discuss the impact on international shipping with the airport economist Tim Harcourt later in the program. But first... Cryptocurrency is creeping ever closer to the mainstream. The imminent approval of a Bitcoin ETF on the ASX in Australia as it approaches, despite the opposition from purists. For more, we're joined by Mark Wilde from MW Wealth. Mark, uh, always great to see yeah. you. Talk to us about uh, first, we've seen the SEC in the US essentially approving Bitcoin ETFs. Now we're talking about the ASX. Is this a big moment yeah. or will it be a big disappointment?
1: Yeah uh well i don't think so you go are you going to invest in it i mean i'm sure uh there's uh many of your friends or colleagues or um whoever want to invest in this uh in in this etf because what it's doing just creating so much excitement that wasn't there previously for bitcoin so what we've seen is the is the price of bitcoin go from us sixteen thousand to around us forty eight thousand, which is quite a significant jump And I think it's largely to do with um, the announcement of the uh, the ETF in the US, but secondly, and not to the same scale as the US, that coming on board in Australia in the next couple of months
0: we, I feel like we've been here before, right? We've been excited about Bitcoin uh, to, to hear the CEO of JP Morgan speaking at the world economic forum at Davos last week saying it's all about nothing. Uh, what, what do you feel when you, when you hear that, you know, we hear about banks and the idea of decentralizing the banks, but to see that Bitcoin got up to what 60,000 and then dropped back down again, quite substantially makes me feel like, and I think a lot of investors feel like it's just a scam.
1: It's a really good point and question. So I feel as though the fact that Bitcoin has gone from this, you know, peer-to-peer private money uh, system that benefits criminals because you can't trace it. So the real purist out there, the fanboys of Bitcoin out there, would, would would hate this because all of a sudden it's gone from that disruptive peer-to-peer money lending system to a to a to a regulated and Cust- custodize, um, uh financial security that's um, controlled by financial giants like BlackRock. So what that's doing, Aaron, it's, it's removing all the haze. It's removing all the am- am- ambiguity, and it's just um, the price. It, it is what it is. So if you invest into a, a blue chip stock, I mean, Whatever someone values that stock at is what you're going to pay for it. So Bitcoin is going to be no different. No, I get that. But I mean,
0: you don't expect a stock to drop by 50% as quickly as we see with Bitcoin, right? Uh, and that yeah. that has been the kind of the, the ongoing problem is about how volatile. I mean, Bitcoin and, and crypto takes volatility to a whole new level, right? There's a lot of opportunity. But if it goes south, we're seeing a lot of people losing. Um, when we talk no, that's about...
1: exactly right.
0: When we talk about regulation and the idea of a heavily regulated exchange that the SEC is approving it for, and then we talk about the ASX as well, how does that impact Bitcoin? Obviously, it's, it's, it's great in many senses, but will it frighten off the purists?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, it will fight off those pure pure, uh, uh, purists that really wanted it because of its disruptive edge. And with your comment before about, yeah, it's volatile. Yeah, I mean, no one's arguing that it isn't a volatile asset class, but... Uh, I think that could potentially change now that it's regulated, now that financial giants are controlling it. They're moving all the complexity away uh, from Bitcoin, and it's, it, it's going to be on the market. What you pay for is what you pay for it. What someone else thinks it's worth is what they think it's worth. So I, I don't think it's going to be as volatile anymore, Aaron.
0: All right. And just quickly, you know, how does the SEC's approval, do you think, influence the perception of it as digitized gold? Do you think that will help or do you think it's the same question about the the purists being uncertain?
1: It's a, it's a really good point. So, uh, you know, like the reason why, uh, well, I shouldn't be so definitive in my comments, but the reason why uh, <laughs> largely gold uh, appreciates over time is because there's people out there who think the world's going to end. They think it's going to blow up. They think something's going to happen that's going to disrupt the whole financial system and commerce as we know it. So when that happens, which, you know, seems to happen quite regularly, gold yeah. spikes and it... Going up because people are afraid. So I don't see Bitcoin is being that different from gold. So that's why I'm calling it a digitized gold um, asset. Is because when you look at Bitcoin, what it really is from a real pure point of view, it's peer-to-peer lending. It sort of it decentralizes central banks and yeah. you get away from the inflationary uh, indicators. So. When people are afraid, they might, you know what, I'm gonna put my money into Bitcoin because it's got nothing to do with the world collapsing. So that's why it's very akin to gold, yep. which is very interesting. So it's very much washes space, but no, it's not gonna be as volatile anymore.
0: Mark Wilde, MW Wealth, always appreciate your time here on Ticker, thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Following a lacklustre performance in the Iowa caucuses, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis now withdrawing from the U.S. presidential race. Once seen as the future of the Republican Party, DeSantis positioned himself as an alternative to Donald Trump without the baggage, he said. Despite initially positioning himself against Trump, he's found himself now unable to overcome the former president's dominance, with Trump now widening his lead in the polls and DeSantis backing the former president now as well. Houthi rebels have continued to attack commercial shipping vessels in the Red Sea, one of the world's most important shipping channels, with fears that it will escalate the Israel-Hamas war. But what does it mean for international trade as well as global security? In a moment, we'll hear from the airport economist Tim Harcourt himself, but first, how significant is the threat to inflation from the Red Sea drama? As the danger in the Red Sea builds, prices might go up as the trade
2: route faces constant attack. Just as developed countries were getting inflation under control, economists are now fearing that prices are going to go back up again. The connection between the Red Sea and inflation lies in the disruptions caused by violence and attacks in the region. The Red Sea is a crucial route for about one-tenth of global seaborne trade. Ongoing conflict has led to shipping companies diverting routes, impacting travel, time and costs. The disruptions in the Red Sea really matter because they can have a ripple effect on the global economy. The Red Sea is a vital trade route and any disturbances like the ongoing violence and attacks can disrupt the smooth flow of goods. This, in turn, can lead to increased costs for shipping and energy, impacting businesses and potentially causing a rise in
0: prices for various
2: products and services.
0: Joining us now is Professor Tim Harcourt, Chief Economist at UTS, and also the host of the Great Transformation and so many other programs here at ticker. Great to see you, my friend. Um, Talk to us about the rebels. Who are they? Why are they attacking non-military ships? And are these different from the pirates in the region that we've been hearing about over the past decade?
3: Yeah, we've heard a lot about Somalian pirates, but the the, these rebels are. It's no secret they're financed by Iran in the sort of intra. Gulf conflict between the, the Saudis and the and Iran. Now um, a lot of it's intensified, they say, because of Gaza, but they've been around doing this in, in Yemen for some time. And uh, you know, along with the pirates, it's another threat to uh, to you know to the Red Sea shipping route, which is you know twelve to fifteen percent of um, global shipping trade. So it's a, it's a big deal, Aaron, and that's why uh, there's a fair bit of concern in economic circles
0: certainly nothing to be sneezed at. I mean, we watch this footage, which is playing next to us and that helicopter shot, which approaches and lands on top of that ship um, and then takes it over, I believe it was an Israeli ship, um, is just incredible. It's like a Hollywood production. The idea that Iran would be backing these uh, Houthi rebels obviously leads us to concerns. The news over the weekend was that the United States may now be preparing, the Pentagon may now be preparing for a longer term fight, a war against the Houthi rebels. Rebels to try and protect these shipping lanes that drags essentially Iran and the United States into a flashpoint.
3: Well, that's a concern, isn't it? I mean, at one stage uh, late last year, uh, you know, us the US Navy was accompanying commercial ships through, you know, through through the through the Red Sea in case there's an attack. Now there are clear attacks, and you know, the US and the UK have uh, committed. Uh, you know to, to, to shooting shooting these attacks down. And you know, it's interesting, Aaron, in many ways, um uh these uh you know this threat to world shipping is actually hurting the people of the Middle East and North Africa most of all. People are starving in Yemen and uh at the beginning of the Russia Ukraine conflict when we spoke about it on your Uh, on on Tikka, you know, we were actually selling wheat to Yemen because people were starving there. So the irony of this dispute is it's going to hurt the the poorer people of Yemen most of all.
0: Now, it could take up to 14 hours longer when it comes to alternative routes. Will this disrupt world shipping? I mean, 14 hours doesn't sound like a huge amount, right? It's about half a day. You think about how often um, we can have delays. I mean, I've been on planes delayed for 14 hours. Will it have a significant impact, though, when it comes to the very finely produced and planned area of world shipping? We remember the Evergrande that got stuck in the canal there, the Suez Canal. Um, This obviously is different, but just as Dangerous, you'd imagine.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, eight of uh, the tens major shipping lines go through the Red Sea. Now, if they chose to go around the Cape of Good Hope around South Africa, that's 14 to 17 days onto your your time. And, of course, there's a drought around the Panama Canal at the moment, so that makes that as an alternative reasonably difficult. So you're looking at either incredible delays in shipping, as we saw during COVID and and, and and so on, or you're seeing a huge increase in risk premium because, of course, you know the insurance insurance companies will jack up the risk premium, uh, knowing that there's possible and
0: that protection is the problem. Exactly what you said there, right? Um, we talk about will it affect costs and risks as well? The risk premium. It's unfortunately an opportunity. I mean, we've seen through COVID, uh, as well as the delays that we've seen, the amount of opportunities that we're seeing by business to essentially jack up prices, not just business, many others, uh, unions, everyone, give us more, give us more. Does Does the Red Sea become an excuse?
3: Well, uh, it's, a pretty good, it's a pretty good excuse given that uh, people are seeing footage of the Hootie rebels each day, but you're right. Um, often these people, whether it be Woolworths or Coles or, you know, insurance companies, they always look for an excuse to, to jack up prices. This gives them a pretty good one. And uh, also, you know, it basically means that uh, the flow and effects with the supply chains, we've seen the Tesla factory in China, um, you know, mm. close for a couple of weeks. We've seen disruption to next to to food and and beverage around the world. So there are kick on effects in terms of the global supply chain beyond the Red Sea. And I think that's the that's the concern that global economists have got.
0: Tim Harcourt, our airport economist, always appreciate your time breaking it down. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Eric. Good to be with you. You
0: You're watching Ticker. More right after this.
2: You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes.